You are listening to A Miracle in the Making with Sarah Pinnock. Well, welcome back. I'm so glad you joined me for part two of Let the Light In. Yesterday we posted part one, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I recommend you listen to that first, and then we'll conclude today with the remainder of it. I'm just going to sit back and let them do it. Has anybody done that? But like, oh, they're better at that than I am, so I'm going to let them do that. Um, But you know what? I'm so thankful for all of the people that were willing to risk being crazy in order to speak life into my life. That That were willing to look like a fool in order to bring the word of God that I needed to hear, that I was desperate to hear. Even if I wasn't ready to receive it yet, I still needed it. They were there, and I hung them up on the wall, and they were there. And when I looked, I saw them, and I'm like, oh. And at first, you know, the resentment, because that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to resent the promises of God. Yeah. See, God gives you those promises so you can hold on to. So the enemy's like, well, let's make them not want to hold on to them. So that way they turn from them and they go the other way. But God's always there pulling us forward. I'm thankful that Scott wrote those things down, even though I wasn't ready at that moment, because I was ready later. And whenever I looked back on them and then I reread them after God brought me through this restoration, I could see just how faithful God was. That in the midst of my world shattering into pieces, God was showing that he had a plan and he had a path and he had a way through. God made a way where there was no way because that's what God does. When I looked that way, there was no path. But suddenly I was on that path. You know, that's what God does. It took me walking through what I consider to be the worst shame, the worst rejection, the worst pain ever. I had to face it head on in order to understand just how mighty and great and fabulous and loving my God was. Because even though I didn't feel him, it didn't change his power. My feelings had nothing to do with the power of God. And sometimes we think that just because we're not feeling God moving, that he's not moving. But he is. He's just over here creating that path that didn't exist before so that you have a place to go. And so that's when we have to just trust and knowing who God is. Trust that, we, that he has a plan. You see, we are called to be light bearers in this world. That's who we are. We are light in the darkness. We carry God's light in us. He is the light of the world, and he's called us to carry that light to us, I mean, to the world around us. And, and that's, it's clear, like, there's many scriptures I could quote out of the Bible that told that. In fact, we believe it so much that we even have a song that we teach our children about it, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Join with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Right? We teach that to our kids. So... We know it's true, but we forget. We even go further to be like, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You know, that actually comes from Scripture. That comes from Matthew 5, 14 through 15. Um, 14 says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. You are the light of the world. God has, has put, set you on fire, if you will, and you are supposed to shine that. You're not supposed to keep it for yourself. You're supposed to, like, catch 
other people on fire. You're supposed to, that light is supposed to spread. It's for everyone around. That light, it's for everyone in the house, which means it's for everyone around you. That light is for your world around you. So in all of that, here's, here's the things that I'm realizing in my own journey to how to be a better bearer of the light, a better light switch operator. Because, you know, it's hard. When you walk into dark circumstances, and you know, it, you know Scripture says you should turn on the light, but it's scary to, turn, to have enough faith. And I don't know why, because really, I know it's a, it seems like an oversimplification, but God's word is true, right? God's word is true. And so if he says that you're going to bring light into the darkness, then you're going to bring light into the darkness. But yet there's something inside of us. There's some sort of thing that, it, that it takes hold, this lie that the enemy tells us. that says we can't turn on that light switch, that we can't bring the light of God into this situation. It's too dark. So it's pointless to turn on the light switch. In fact, there's even, like in my own life, I have a recurring nightmare that happens. And this is how I know, and like, it's bad situations. But the situations and the circumstances, they are, they're different but I'm always in some sort of danger. There's always something that's, that's out there, whatever it will be. And then I go to turn on the light so I can see, and none of the light switch works. And it's dark. And I can't see. And no matter where I go to turn on the light, it won't turn on. But when that happens, because this is just the way my brain works, my brain recognizes this isn't real. This is a dream. My brain tells me that. This is a dream. This is fake. Don't fall for it. And so then I have a choice in my dream. I can stand there and I can let whatever happens to me or I can speak to it. And it was this is a really weird thing. Whenever I was little, I used to have nightmares all the time when I was little. It was just a, it was a thing that happened. And in, when I was really, really little, I had a dream um, where a nightmare was happening and an angel came. And the angel um, was very funny and sarcastic. I guess that was my guardian angel must be that way because that's how I am. Um, he speaks my love language. And... <laughs> So he, um, in this dream, I, I, there was an invading army of little creatures. And I was probably like, I'm saying like two or three. I mean, I was really, really little. And, but I would have nightmares all the time. I'm talking like every other night. I would have nightmares a lot, a lot at this age. And uh, I was getting, like, I was scared. I was scared to go to sleep. I had to sleep with the light on. Like, it was just, it was, it was nuts. And so uh, my angel, he made a joke. And I was like, can you help me? This army's going to come against it. And he's, he's coming against me. And he's like, well, I guess there's nothing left you can do. You're just going to have to let him take you. What? He's like, or, or you can learn how to fly. I'm like, I'll learn how to fly, you know? But, um, and that's what he did. My, my angel taught me how to control my dreams. And so from that point on, from the time I was two, when I'm in a nightmare, um, happens, I, I somehow am able to control the circumstance. I remember scripture. I remember God. I remember who he is. And I tell it, no, you cannot continue to do this. And I don't know why God gave me that wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to do. Cause I know that's, that's a lot of people don't have that ability, but it, it was a gift because they were happening so often. And I was able to speak into those things. And you would think now that I have faced monsters and dragons and ogres in my dreams that when the light, when things would happen in real life, I would go with that same faith, right? No, no. sadly, I shake my head. No. I still look at him like, but it's so big. Like, how am I supposed to face this? Well, because you are the light. The light of God is living inside of me. 
And so I have to learn how to do that. We all have to learn how to do that. You have to, wherever God's calling you to go, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in a church, whether it's in in a prison ministry, whether it's on the mission field, wherever God is calling you to go, you carry that light in you. That's what needs to go is that light that you carry. That's what you are imparting to the people around you. That's, That's what our job is. So... In realizing all of this, these are the things that I'm, that I'm struggling with. So I'll just gonna be an open book here. So the first thing I realized, I'm a people pleaser. Anybody else in here like to please people? Okay, this, this, is, this, is, this can be a good thing because you care about people and you want them to be happy. But on the flip side, sometimes you put their happiness above God's plan for them. And that's, that's a problem. That's a problem that I face. And so people scare me. I want people to be happy. I want them to to rejoice. I want them to feel the fullest, but sometimes it means speaking things that are not going to make them happy in order to get there. So I have to realize that people are not always going to be happy when you turn on the light. There's not. I mean, sure, if you have someone that's stumbling around the darkness and keeps running into walls or stubbing their toe, initially they're going to be very thankful for the light. They're going to be like, woohoo, I can see. Thank you so much for doing this. But as they start to gather themselves and look around the world that they've created and they start to see the mess that is in their life, they start to become discouraged because it is overwhelming for them to clean up this mess on their own. And so it is tempting for them to start dimming the light so they don't see it because they don't know how to cope with it. Like, I know, and I'm sure my mom knows because she had to deal this with me. Like, when I walk by my daughter's closet and I open it up and I turn on the light and I'm like, nope, and I close the door and I walk away. It's overwhelming. My mom had to do that for me. I was horrible. Um, it's overwhelming. Sometimes the mess is so overwhelming and we forget that we need to help them. They don't know how to clean it up just yet. doesn't mean we enable them to continue to make more messes, but we encourage them along their journey to help clean up the messes so that way they don't start to turn the light off as they though, but they don't become so overwhelmed and discouraged. And, and anybody who's on the path to recovery, anybody who's, who's on the path of deliverance, this is something that they struggle with. They accept Jesus Christ. They accept the love. They are so excited and they're so happy. But then a month or two months or whatever later, they realize just the wake of devastation that this, this whole system left them with. And it's too much for them to clean up on their own because they don't know that they're not supposed to clean it up on their own. They haven't been taught how to rely on God yet. They haven't been taught how to rely on the body of Christ yet. They, haven't, they don't have that trust yet. And it's up to us to encourage them and to disciple them. What happened to discipleship? I mean, really. Like, that's something I, I look at churches and I'm like, it's like we go out and we save people. And then we're like, good luck with that. See you later. Hope you find a home church. You know? I, I just, I don't, it, to me, it's just, we're setting them up for failure. We're like, this is a God who loves you and cares for you. That's all you need to know. That's so not all they need to know. Um, so not all. All right, so we have, we have that. But then there's people, too, that when we turn on the light, they're just, they're just not ready. They're not ready for the light to be turned on. It's like when I go to wake up my teenage daughter in the morning and I flip that light on, I get anything but enjoyment and enthusiasm from her. She's not like, oh, yay, the light is on. Thank you, Mom. You're the best. Yeah, yeah, it's like, turn off the light. My mom would bring it to a whole new level, which I, I do with my girls. She would turn on the light, and then she would sing, Good morning, Mary Sunshine, how are you today? 
Yeah, yeah. Which, which you know, as a teenager, mm, mm. wow, that, that, that helped me deal with some inner stuff. As a parent, though, I really delight in doing that to my own children. So thank you for that gift. I didn't like it as a teenager, but it brings me much joy now. So it's something that I'm sure will continue on throughout the generations. They'll do it to their own children, too. But right, if you flip on a light to someone who's accustomed to darkness, it doesn't feel good to them. Just like someone flips on the light, you know, when you're sleeping or whatever, the light hurts. It hurts your eyes. You're not ready. You weren't ready to see it yet. Um, It takes time for it to adjust. And so the temptation is to, to turn off light because we want that instant gratification. We want that instant breakthrough. We want that instant deliverance. But sometimes it's a gradual adjusting process. It is not an instant, voila, magical cure for everything. It takes time. Change is huge. It it is a journey, and we have to understand that, and we have to help them. And if they go over to turn off, like if my daughter got out of bed and turned off the light, I'm going to walk back over, and I'm going to flip it back on. Right? We have to be, we have to hold people accountable. We have to be the light, even if they don't want it. They still want it. They still, like, she doesn't want to be late for school. She doesn't want to walk down that path of detention or whatever will happen to her. She wants the light. She just wasn't ready for it yet, but she still needs it. And the same way for people who need Jesus. They may not be ready for it yet. Don't wait for a person to be ready, in your opinion. I mean, I'm not saying, like, go out in your own will, but I'm saying if God gives you something and says turn on the light, you go flip on the light switch whether you know they're going to like it or not because God told you to. Second thing I've learned is that, and this is, a, this is a huge one, and this is one actually, I say learned in past tense, I'm still learning this, is that we are not in competition with anybody else's light. Right. Amen. Okay? This is huge because this is a very, very huge problem in our churches and ministries today. Because we find ourselves trying to compete with our fellow workers, and we are battling them instead of doing what God told us to do and shining in the darkness. And when we try to compete with others, all it's doing is breeding strife, jealousy, and division. Yes, that's, right. that's all it does. That's right. And don't feel bad, though, because even, I mean, like, you're like, well, you know, I've been in, doing this a long time, but maybe I do this a little bit. Well, you know what? The disciples walked with Jesus, and they were still like, hey, hey, Jesus, which one of us is your favorite? It's, it's me, isn't it? You know, even, even the disciples did it, and they were, like, right there. Like, they, they actually got to hear him speak and got to see the miracles that he did firsthand type of stuff. Even they did it. That doesn't make it okay, though. It just knows that we all struggle. We all have to deal with this no matter what level we are, whether we're a beginning Christian or whether we've been a soldier for a long time. This is something that's going to come against us time after time and time again. We're going to be faced with that, that temptation to compare ourselves to somebody else, that temptation and that, that we need to um, compete with somebody else. And we don't because that's not how the body of Christ is supposed to work. That if, if my arm is competing with my leg, I've got a medical problem that needs to be addressed. Because they are independent of one another. I shouldn't be battling that. You know, it's like, um, you know, in fact, even this morning, I was driving. Uh, so I go on Jesus drives, which sounds really weird. But all this is is that I, I just take some time because I'm a mom. So they're home. They're asleep usually. And in the morning, on the weekend, I will go drive, and I will just listen to worship music. I'll drive, like, the back roads, and I will just let God 
pour into me because they can't. I don't have any interruptions, right? And so I'll just listen to worship music and I'll listen to what God has to say and I will talk to God about my problems or about whatever I'm facing or what I'm struggling with and then, you know, he will show me insight into these things. So I was driving this morning, um, a thing about this, and he reminded me of this um, indoor water park that I take my girls to in Branson. Um, has anybody ever been to the indoor water park in Branson? It's a it's a great place, especially if you're someone like me who cannot be in the sunlight because it, I have a medical condition that, that says sunlight. We just we don't get along. So this water park was a, was a great place. And in this water park, through through engineering, um, it pumps water. It has like a cycling water system. And what happens is that water slowly fills up this giant bucket. And then when the bucket gets almost full, a bell starts to ring that tells everybody this bucket's about to dump out. And so then all the kids will run towards it, and all the adults will run away from it. <laughs> and then a few moments later, um, the water will continue pouring. They get to that point where the, the bucket cannot contain it any longer. And then the bucket tips over, and it falls out onto the children, much to their delight. And then the spray and the mist falls upon the parents and grandparents, much to their dismay. And then the cycle repeats itself over again. The bucket comes back up, and it starts to fill back up. Now, if you were to think about this, Break it down, kind of like it says, you know that old saying, one straw can break the camel's back, or the straw that broke the camel's back, right? It's not that there's literally one straw, it's just that there was one that just pushed it over the edge. Well, in that bucket, there was one drop, that, that, that was it. That one drop caused the bucket to tip, okay? Really, just, just one drop is all it took to tip it over. And sometimes we see that in ministry where we have poured into somebody for a long time. We have prayed for them. We have taught them. We have encouraged them. And then they go off to some conference and somebody speaks to them for three seconds and all of a sudden they're free. And you're just like, are you kidding me? Isn't that sometimes how you feel? You shouldn't feel that way. But right, you're just like, but uh, 15 years. It took 15 years I've been saying this to this person. And you say for five seconds and all of a sudden they get it, right? And, but then God's like, would that last drop have mattered, though, if the rest of the water hadn't been in the bucket? It takes the entire bucket. And so when you see victory in somebody else's life, whether they got to see a name speaker or whatever, it doesn't matter because you were part of the bucket. You were part of the water that God, God needed that in order to do what he needed to do. You rejoice in that victory. You're not in competition with that speaker who spoke to them for three seconds because if that speaker had spoke to them and you hadn't been doing your job along the way, those words would have meant nothing to them because they weren't filled up. They weren't ready to hear it. So stop comparing what fruit right. you see and what fruit somebody else's see because it's all the same harvest. That's right. It yeah. all belongs That's to God. That's it. Not one of us is better than another one of us. Right. Everything that we do matters in the body of Christ. Yes. It does. It's important. That's right. We need to realize that, that we matter and what we do matters. And so don't give up just because you're like, I've been doing this for so long and I rarely get to see the fruit of it because that you know that old song you know where it says that thank you for giving to the lord right where um the person goes to heaven and all these people come in and they're like i didn't do anything like well you taught sunday school class and it lists all the things that they did you don't know the impact you're making in the world around you but i'm telling you a small act of obedience can change everything yeah. so all you need to be focusing on is being obedient not upon seeing what you want to see because if you're focusing on just seeing what you want to see, you're missing the whole picture. 
you're missing the whole point. You have to be focused on being obedient and following the direction that God has for you. Um, let's see. And that one's a hard one for me. I, I will totally admit that. <laughs> I mean, and another example is something we were talking about this, this morning. It's like, okay, um, getting this whole system to, like, um, project live around the world or whatever the, the plan is, right? right? So right now you're waiting on a part. And that part seems very important because you don't have it, right? So it, it's very important. So you rejoice. When you finally get that part, you are going to rejoice. But I'm telling you, every other part of that system is just as important as that part because if you had that part and you didn't have the soundboard, yeah. what good is it? We're all working together. Amen. We're all part of it. So we have to remember, too, and this is, this is the part that, that, that this is another thing I struggle with. Because we want to compete with each other. Our people have been competing with us. We, we have this, this thing that we need to dampen our own light in order to help other people shine. Has anybody else ever done that? I, I, um, I, was, I was a worship leader for a church a long, long time ago. And so I pray when I lead worship. That's just, you know, I do. I talk to God in front of people, and that's, that's what it is. So, but the, the, the pastor of the church brought me aside one day and said, Sarah, I need you to stop praying because your prayers are making mine look weak. And he wasn't joking. He wasn't joking at all. Like, he was telling me, be quiet. Because, because I, my prayers are supposed to be the most powerful ones. This is literally, I mean, I, I wish I was joking. I wish I was being sarcastic. And I just sat there going, is this, am I being pranked? Like, is there a camera somewhere? Like, this can't be happening. That's not how this works. But unfortunately, that's what happens when we're in competition with one another. We expect other people to dim their light so that we can shine brighter. And instead of seeking God so that we can shine brighter, if someone is shining really, really bright in a room, praise God. Shine your light just as bright. May they be an encouragement to you to step it up a notch and to bring it to another level. That's what we should do. We should encourage one another. My light should be an encouragement. Your light is an encouragement to me. I, you know what? Have you noticed? I have a voice. When I started this, I didn't. I was a bass. Apparently, I didn't like a bass. I'm moving up into alto territory. Yay me. But you guys prayed for me. I needed you guys to do that. Right? I needed your light. And you guys shined it. And you prayed for me. That's a, just a great example that happened right now. Do not dim your light so that other com- people can shine brighter. But do not expect other people to dim their light too. You shine. You be obedient to what God t- tells you to do. Because our world needs as many lights shining full blast as possible. We do not compete with one another. We are called to empower one another. If somebody's light is growing dim, help them out. Because that's what they really want. I know when my light was growing dim, Scott helped me out by, by handing me that paper. Carolyn helped me out by speaking things over me. Like people in this room, my mother, my poor mom, like I totally shut her out. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, but she kept continued to pour in there anyway because I needed it whenever God was ready. It, it happened. We're all good. We should be inspired by one another. And, and, and we should be encouraged by one another. And so I pray, like, as, as we're speaking here, that that's what's happening. I want you guys to be encouraged. I want you guys to be, like, so excited to go out there and shine your light that when you go out to lunch today, wherever you may go, or we go shopping, that you carry this light 
with you wherever you go. I mean, there's a song I heard on the radio just recently by, I think it was Casting Crowns, and this one lyric, it said, what if the church on Sunday was exactly the same church on Monday? What if we, what if we acted like we were at church all the time? Instead of buying into the separation of church and state nonsense. Because that's what we're doing in our lives. We are separating God and then our real life. And it's a problem. It should invade. God should be in every aspect of our life. And if he's not, then you have a problem. And you need to, you need to open up that door and let God into those things and see what he does. See what changes when, you're, when you allow God to move in everything that you are. That you, yes. that you are. Yes, that's right. All right. So... The other thing I've learned is not to hide your light out of fear. So, like, um, sometimes, like, okay, think about World War II. When the air raids would happen, the, the siren would go off, and what would everybody do? They would turn off all of their lights so that way the bombers wouldn't see where they were in hopes that they would not be bombed, right? I'm going to ask you this if you think about history. All the lights being off, did that keep the Germans from dropping the bombs on London? They dropped them anyway. The enemy is going to attack you anyway, whether you shine your light or not. He's coming after you because you're a child of God. So do not dim your light out of fear of some sort of retaliation or some sort of, I don't want to walk through this battle because the battle's coming for you anyway. So all you're doing is just making yourself, un- you're giving yourself, not giving yourself the weapons you need to fight the darkness. Because you're hiding the light and you're actually just becoming a part of the darkness. So don't, so don't do that. And the last thing is that putting on a mask is the number one way to dim the light in your life. Yes, that's right. That's very right. And this, this is another huge problem for the churches that we have as a body of Christ. is because we think that we are supposed to look and act and feel a certain way. And when we don't feel that way... We have this idea that we need to pretend that we do. We need to pretend that we're happy when we're not. We need to pre- pretend that we're well when they're not. If I came up here and pretend that I wasn't struggling with a respiratory thing, you guys would notice anyway, right? <laughs> like you could tell, like, I don't think you were that thing. that You didn't speak that low before. You would be able to notice. And the world does notice when we struggle with things. The, the number one thing I hear when I talk to people about, um, about God and about church and about Jesus the number one thing I hear from non-believers, and it's the same lie over and over and over again, and it gets kind of old because you're just like, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that you don't want to go because the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites that say one thing and do another. That's what they all say. It's a common thing. Well, and let's stop doing that. Let's be real when we struggle because they see you struggle. The, person, the coworker that's with you knows that you're struggling. You allow the secular people in your life to see a part of you that you don't allow your, your church body of, to see when you need them. So stop putting masks on to hide, to hide the light. Because I know that when we are honest with what we're walking through, we are giving the people next to us the opportunity to see a miracle happen. Amen. So be real. Be real. Um, someone once told me as I was beginning, like, um, ministry journey that I needed to, to hide every weakness that I had because people would just use that to tear me down. A lot of people say that about anybody. Yeah. Hide your weaknesses because people will use it to turn you to, to tear them down. You know what? 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna show my weaknesses. You guys are gonna know when I struggle with something. You guys are gonna know. People around me are going to know because I know that God will use that, those weaknesses, he was going to use them to do something great in my life and he's going to encourage somebody else in their life that's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Because if someone's not walking through those circumstances with the light, what's the person who doesn't know God's supposed to do? Are they supposed to figure it out on their own? Are they supposed to just know how to behave when these circumstances happen? When you're sick and in the hospital and there's a person in the next room, this happened to me. So I am, you know, my my husband just left. I found out all these horrible things. I was in despair. And I'll be honest with you, I did not want to live. I didn't. I didn't want to live with the reality that I was left with. And I, I hate to admit that, but it's true. I just wanted to give up and die. And I was sick enough that a part of me just was like, just give up and just let nature take course. And you can just pass from this world and you won't have to feel this pain anymore. Those thoughts were in my mind. How horrible is that? But it's true. That's where I was. And so I was in, um, in the hospital. Got, uh, they, they wanted to do a procedure because I was literally wasting away and I wasn't able to keep food or liquids down. So they wanted to put a tube in my stomach. And so I'd gone to the hospital to do this. And they brought me into this room. And it was supposed to be a private room, which is what I really wanted because I wanted to wallow in self-pity by myself. Because that's what you do when you're, when you're hurt, right? You just want to go lick your wounds and be like, this is horrible, and focus on it. Um, but they brought somebody else in. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Okay, I can do this. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm just going to pretend that they're not there. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. However, this person did not have the same idea. They, they weren't going to pretend that I wasn't there. So they started talking to me. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell them everything. Be like, I'm here because I'm this blah, 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 and this just happened to me, and this horrible thing, and my family's trolling apart, and I'm about to be homeless, and took off with all the money that we have, and I have no idea what's going to happen, and life is just horrible and stuff, and I get through all my complaining, and then I find myself saying, but God is still good, and I know he's faithful. <laughs> right? And, then, and I'm like, why did I say that last part? Like, because there is something in me that, that knows this. And it was like, this is what's going on, and, but God. And so then this person was like, wow, like, I understand. She says, I'm going in for heart surgery. I don't think I'm going to make it. And I don't know who God is. And I was like, really, God? Really? Right now? Right now, in the midst of my pain and my suffering, when I want to die, you want me to speak life into this person? I don't have any life. And yet God was like, "Mm, you know what you got to do. So I sat there and I talked to her about who God was and about his love for her and about how much he cared for her. And that even though I know I'm walking through this, but you know what? The more I talked to her, the more encouraged I became because I was holding myself accountable to the truth. But because I told her my pain first, she was willing to open up to me about hers. And if I had come in there and be like, oh, I'm so great. Everything is peachy. I'm, this is just, just praise Jesus. She would have not talked to me. She would not have opened up to me. She would have been like, okay. And she would have sat there. And I, honestly, they, they moved her out into a different room. They moved me to a different room. I don't know what, what came out of that thing. I, I don't. But I trust God that I was obedient with what I was supposed to do. 
right? And that he will do that. So whether it was the, the last drop that tipped that bucket over or whether it was just part of the drop in the journey, it doesn't matter because I was obedient to what God called us to do. So when you're walking through stuff, when you're going through that and you think God can't use me, I want you to know, yeah, God can use you and he wants to use you because, like I said, those broken moments, those weakness, that's where the light shines through. It is like those cuts on the diamond. It, a diamond by itself does not reflect light. If you take it raw from the ground, it is a cloudy rock. Nothing shines through it. It's, it's not even very pretty. I mean, you know it's valuable, but it, it, there's nothing to it. It takes a master diamond cutter to chip away the things and cut things in a certain way in order for the light to shine through and reflect around there. And that's what God is doing in our lives. He is cutting away the things that we don't need anymore. He's cutting away those cloudy spots. He's cutting away those weak areas that would cause it to chip. He's taking all those things away so that his light can shine through and reflect around the world of his beauty and his creation. We are a reflection of him. And so I just want to encourage you wherever you are in your journey, whether you are... Like, you're right up there next to the right hand of the Father. You are, you are good. Or whether you're struggling with something, that God is still wanting to use you and that you are going to change the world. I am going to change the world. And I want you to encourage those that you come across, change the world. Let revival start in you because that's what's supposed to happen. You know, I'm, not, I'm done waiting for some move of God to happen out there because I know my God is always moving. So I don't need to wait on a move of God to heaven. He's moving. So he's going to move in me. And I'm going to give him all the room that he needs to move in me and be who he is in me. And I hope that, that inspires the person next to me to allow God to do that. And you guys, you do the same thing. That's how revival starts is by people saying, I'm done. I am done with this. I am trusting you. So that's what, as we worship today, as we go through our week this week, be inspired and be blessed and shine that light. Let revival burn in you. Let that light shine from you like a lighthouse, like she mentioned a lighthouse earlier. Let those things continue to grow. Don't put a limit on the light that God can shine through you because even what you're seeing now is just a small fraction of what God is capable of. A very, very small fraction. God is going to do incredible things with each one of you. You're going to see things happen that you didn't think possible. You are not done yet with your journey. There's more to come. There is more. I know this with every ounce of my being, that there is more. So that's all I've got for you guys. Be blessed. Now, I would love to hear some of your testimonies or even hear some of your stories about the things that you're facing so that I can join you in prayer as you move forward. If you would like to do that, you can comment on whatever platform you are hearing this, or you can email me at booking at sarahepen.org. That's S-A-R-A-H-E-P-E-N dot org. Now remember, no matter what you're facing, God is with you. Be blessed.